Okay, so this is a slightly different Wise Women podcast. For this one, I want you to imagine you're in an enormous red tent where a group of women have been gathered to share their wisdom about current world events. The group of women are made up of women I've spoken to on my podcasts already, so some, maybe all of their voices will be familiar to you. I'll go around the circle, introducing each woman one by one, and each woman will share her thoughts and also her deepest wisdom, which I'm hoping will bring you comfort and strength at a time when we're all being forced to stop and reflect and reassess. Before we start, I want to make you aware that this virtual red tent has been cleansed, and I've called in the seven directions, north, south, east, west, above, below and within. I've called in our ancestors, our spirit guides and our power animals. So this tent is pretty full, but it's also protected and held. You could be here a while, so find a cushion and make yourself comfortable as you look round at all the women in the circle. There are women here who have survived illnesses, struggled to have babies, grieved the loss of a baby, left their communities, left their marriages, grieved friends and family members. This tent, this podcast, is literally full of womb wisdom. So let me introduce you then, in no particular order, to our first wise woman. Frauke Bahrains is a Kundalini yoga instructor who lives on Fortaventura. We'll find out her deepest wisdom very shortly, but first I ask Frauke how she's feeling. I'm in a state of trying to help others as best as I can. This is all what I want to do right here and right now. And this is, I think, the best what we can do, all of us. We are all in the same situation, though. This is the good thing in all of this. We are all staying home, or most of us, we are staying home. And they say, all right, look, I do the best what I can, creating my routine, creating everything, and, yeah, taking everything in and try to digest it. Now, Falco, when we spoke um, on our podcast, we were talking about you healing from a lung condition. Are you classed as one of those who's especially vulnerable? Yes, I'm one of those persons that I'm very vulnerable, so <laughs> I don't go out with my mask. I put on my gloves when I have to go to pharmacy, and I have to go to pharmacy, so I need my my medication. And you see, when you are there and you see all this, and this is when I really say, yes, all right, be careful and take care of your inner life. This is the most important thing. Inner life to be healthy from inside out. Well, that was my next question, actually, Falka, because you are a spiritual powerhouse. You know, you're a kundalini yoga teacher, and I know your inner life is really important to you. How much are you using your spiritual tools at the moment? Every day, every moment. <laughs> if you see, I'm, I'm living in 40 square meters and I have everything inside. My racing bike, my little guitar, my yoga mat. My So uh, this is my life right here and my, right now. And from the morning, and I will send you later on some photos. From the morning, I create my routine. When I wake up, I do a little meditation to be grateful, to, to be thankful. Not big deal. Just sit down for a few moments and say, wow, look, I'm here. Thank you for this. Thank you. I had more or less a good night's sleep. Yeah, or a good night rest. And then I start. You know, I do my breakfast healthy, a light one. And then I do some online sessions. There are so many options at the moment now. 
And then I prepare my own sessions that I offer. I offer every day. I offer a 40-day 40 days sadhana, um, what means 40 days of meditation for all they want to join. And when you see that the people sign up, you know, on Instagram or wherever, and they say, hello, how are you? You know, I could cry. I could cry. People that I know for many, many years, and I just see them joining my meditation. And this is the beauty. So I'm here to help. You know, I'm here to serve. That was always, and I mentioned the first time, I'm here to serve. Well, as I said, uh, Frauke, you are a Kundalini uh, yoga instructor, and I know uh, mantra is is used in your classes. Is there any mantra that you could recite for us today that might be helpful? Oh, yes. I like the one that we are doing now with the Smiling Buddha. This is the Satanama. So the Satanama is the whole cycle of life. Because when we, even when we project this out, we are using the whole cycle of life because sa is infinity, ta is life, na is death, and ma is rebirth. And the whole mantra means I am truth. And this is one of the most fundamental of the Kundalini um, yoga mantras. And this is I am truth. This is what I am. This is who I am. And um, this is for me the most, because our greeting in Kundalini is Satnam. And it come, and Satanama is coming from Satnam. And this is like when you say Namaste in other yogas, we say Satnam. So truth is my identity, or I am the truth. So by repeating this or even listening this, um, we connect, we connect immediately, immediately to certain areas in our brain. We start to clean our subconscious. But my favorite right now, because I'm working on this for 40 days and the little community that um, follows me right now or that is doing this with me, it's Satanama. And there are many, many versions on uh, on Spotify, on YouTube that you can find. Frauke, thank you so much for your time today. And I feel like I need to say Satnam as well. Oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joe. For me, it was too short. We should speak for hours. But I know, <laughs> I know. I, know. I, I just want to leave a little message at the end, a very, very short one. Yeah, please do. You know, if we feel strong and we feel there is a tomorrow, we are not afraid of it. And this is my little message. So let's be strong and let's be all together creating love from our heart, not from our head. This is the most important part. And love you all and Sadnam Joe. That was Frauke talking about the importance of service and courage. Next up is Jamie Linegar. Jamie is a mum of two who spoke to me on her podcast about her challenge with infertility. So let's find out Jamie's highest thoughts and her take on what's going on. Okay, so... I do keep dancing around with this and it depends whether I go to my head or to my heart, I think. <laughs> when I get involved in looking at the media and looking at the statistics, I'm very much in my head and kind of that analytical mind. But when I look at the bigger picture and I pull myself away from uh, what's happening individually to people, um, I think that there is there's something that's creating stillness on the planet for a reason uh, I find it quite ironic that the words that are being used the most are isolation and distancing 
But what I see when I look around is real connection like I've never seen before. People that, uh, you know, in my village, for example, I've lived here five and a half years and some of my neighbours, I don't even know their names, but I do now. And we have each other's numbers and we are checking in on each other. And things you see on social media, people singing to one another across the the squares in Italy, just so that it lifts people's spirits. Um, And so much comedy and just humility and humanity at the moment, I think, is at its most beautiful, I think, I've ever seen it. Which, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting considering we are all supposed to be isolating from one another, but I I just see such connection. Wow, well said. Now, when, yeah. when we did our podcast, we were talking about your challenge with infertility and that podcast had a happy ending because you went on to have two children, two girls. What's mm-hmm. it like self-isolating as a family? Because you're going to have the whole challenge of homeschooling as well, aren't you? Yeah, we've been doing that today. Um, It's going really well. And actually, probably like a lot of siblings, my two girls, they can, yeah, get on each other's nerves. (laughs) So I did think, wow, this is going to be interesting because they do bug one another massively. But really weirdly, since this has kind of happened, they've been like the best of friends. Um, They've been caring for one another, loving one another, playing nicely together, helping each other out, saying nice things to one another. It's actually really weird. (laughs) Um, It's really nice to see, but I I don't know. I think maybe something to do with the pressure is lifted because their kids are under a lot of pressure with school and the time limits with everything. You're always rushing from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And that that momentum has just stopped dramatically and the pressure's lifted. And I just think it's it's changed their way of coping and dealing with one another. So it's just been really lovely, actually. Yeah, I wonder, Jay, as well, if it's just nice having mum and dad at home. I know when I was um, when I was young, I was never happier than when my mum was at home. Yeah, and yeah, and our energy has obviously shifted because we're not working. We're both, you know, we're both in industries that it's we can't go to work, so we're not rushing around. We're not thinking about the next thing that's got to be done. We've all just stopped. Um, so it's been really, really nice so far. But I'm, I'm very starkly aware of um people working on the front line and yeah the 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 fear the anxiety the heartbreak the sadness that's going on around the world it's palpable I can feel that but just bringing my attention inward into my own family home it's yeah no it's been really really beautiful to watch how being able to be still has created connection just between the four of us as well Jamie talking to me about the connection she's feeling with her family at the moment. Next, author and animal communicator Madeline Walker. Madeline shares a very special message. She was given by a silver-backed gorilla here. But first, she talks generally about this moment in time. What I feel is that there's a, a much bigger picture going on. This has been kind of prophesied for many years and that there would be this big shift that things had to change because the way we were living, the way we were dishonouring the planet and ourselves, it was just not sustainable. And so on a higher kind of level, this feels like a an amazing chance to recalibrate um, exactly what we're doing and to raise the whole vibration of the earth and also ourselves to, to free us from 
from limitation and our old fears. I think this is pushing a lot of people's buttons um, and creating a lot of fear. But if we can remember that there is a bigger picture, and I, f I feel very positive in a way that out of all of this, um, a lot of good will come. And Madeline, at the time of this recording, we're very early days in terms of self-isolation and quarantining, but how are you finding cutting yourself off from normal life? Well, it makes me sad because living on my own, I've created a really nice sort of kind of social life in the village I live in and doing lots of music events and just really uh, meeting new friends and really building up um, as I say, that kind of social interaction. So it makes me a bit sad. However, uh, I have two dogs and a cat, and I think without them, I would be feeling quite isolated. But um, they keep me busy, they get me out into the fresh air, and just having them as my kind of, as I mentioned maybe in my previous podcast, my firmly with me, I think is just hugely supportive and, and keeps me kind of on the emotional straight and narrow, as it were. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say this as well, because uh, we've got two cats, and one of them's fairly new, and she's just... Everything is a game. You know, you get out of bed in the morning and straight away she's grabbing your ankles and rugby tackling you down the stairs. She's just so yeah. much fun. And I think for people that are privileged enough and fortunate enough to have pets, they're going to be such a source of comfort for us, aren't they, over the next kind of weeks and months? Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And and they're just so, they're just such great company, aren't they? You know, and they, like you say, they just lift your spirits and um, certainly keep you on your toes because obviously <laughs> they, they can be, a little naughty and a bit challenging but then but that's great because again it just keeps you going gives you a reason for getting up and for getting on with life and and um just enjoying their their support really because they are incredible now as you said you are an animal communicator and that really again you're very privileged because that goes beyond domestic animals and you've had some amazing encounters with really majestic animals out in the wild have have they got any messages for us? What what are they saying to us and, and what are you picking up from them? Well, I was lucky enough to be out in, in Uganda, on Rwanda, with the mountain gorillas last October. And it's just amazing. And I met this huge silverback gorilla and he gave me this message. And it's it just feels very, it's obviously very symbolic, but it's it just felt like a huge wake up call for humankind. And I'd, I'd really love to share it with you because it just feels very timely so would it be okay to read it out to you? Yeah, please do. Okay, so his name was Kayungai, or Chayungai, and he said, I am the warrior. My gentle strength guides my family, but I fight for what is mine, for family is everything. I claim my rightful place in honour of that space. Why, therefore, do you rush to plunder what never belonged? We do not own anything. We are merely guardians through time, expending our time, being in tune and time with the mountain and every leaf, tree and blade of plant. It serves our every need, nothing more, nothing less. Why are you always searching for the next thing, blundering your way through life's undergrowth, hacking it out of your way if it may block your path or view that you feel is the only way to reach your destination? Honour each leaf, branch, fruit or flower, this earth is a paradise only being destroyed and diminished by you. Wake up and remove the fog of greed from your eyes and the mist of lust from your minds. We are all here in this jungle together. The mountain ancestors held this wisdom and we try to convey it to you. Shed those old skins of want and cruel desire. Reveal the light that is within you. Rekindle the honoring of all things. 
know that this is the only way to remember that this precious jungle, meaning the earth, can survive if coexistence is to continue. And so I feel that that's his message about us really stopping, taking stock and, and um, honouring ourselves, honouring, as he said, every leaf, every flower, every fruit. And it just felt felt that I really wanted to share that because it just felt such a an amazingly powerful message from him. Wow. I got goosebumps when you were reading that. Incredible. Yeah. And what an honour to not only be with a creature like that, but to bring back that message. And I'm so pleased that we've shared it on this podcast too, Madeline. It, feels, it does feel like a real honour. Well, thank you so much for letting me share it because it felt important to do so. And it's in honour of, of Chayungai and, uh, and just his amazing guardianship of his, of his family, his gorilla family in, in the mountains in, in Rwanda. And um, yeah, it was just a huge, huge privilege to have been able to visit him. Just an amazing message there from Madeline to share on this podcast, a message which I hope landed with you as much as it landed with me. Next up, let's check in with Tiggy Walker. Tiggy is married to the BBC Radio 2 presenter, Johnny Walker. How is she feeling? I just want to start by saying, um, earlier in January, I was away with uh, Johnny and we were in Jamaica. And I was talking to uh, my tennis coach out there, the way you do. And we were just talking about Mother Earth and that Mother Earth would would have to do something soon to quieten everything down because everything is going at such a pace everywhere. And so I do honestly feel that this is Mother Earth, Gaia, whatever you like to call her, sort of giving us a bit of a, a prod, a bit of an environmental prod. You know, we've all slowed down. We've, we're not traveling. We're not flying. We're consuming less. It, we're, we've quietened down. And my feeling overall is that this is giving us a sabbatical, both on an individual level and on, on, on a, a nationwide level and on a global level. And I don't want to sound callous in that. I don't have children. You know, I only have Johnny to look after who is self-isolating because he has to. But I, I for one, am absolutely loving the stillness, uh, the peace, uh, and just being in one place all the time. I mean, I have a pretty frenetic life with Johnny, and I, I feel I've been stressed for the last 18 years. Uh, just charging around and going to this, going to that. What do I have to wear? What, you know, where are we going to be staying? What food do I have to wear? All those mundane things of life, which keep me awake every night of my life. I'm I'm now not worrying about any of those things because they're not there. And therefore I'm sleeping and I'm calmer. And I just feel I'm sort of going at the pace I should be going for a while. You talked about Johnny there, and of course our podcast was about Johnny and you caring for him through cancer and him caring for you through cancer. And you mentioned he's self-isolating. What's his take on it all? Uh, Well, at the moment, he, like me, is rather relieved. He's been working incredibly hard for a man who's about to turn 75 with two Radio 2 shows each week uh, and this tour, which is travelling around the country and doing interviews with people to fit in in into his radio shows. So, you know, for him, actually, uh, he is rather relishing this chance to just pause himself because he's feeling his age. So... 
he's now doing his radio shows from our garden room. We've set up a temporary studio and um, it's going to be different. They can't be live shows, which is unfortunate, but they'll be weekly shows. So he'll still have that contact with people. So I think for him, he's just he's just very, very zen about it all. He he at his age has a great concern. I mean, you know, if he got it, he, he's, he's really, really high risk because he's, he's had, you know, a number of health issues. So, you know, the doctors have said, listen, Johnny, you really mustn't get it. So he really is self-isolating. And I'm, I'm the one sort of darting out with the dog and, and going to do the food shop. So I think, I, I mean, part of me is slightly jubilant that his body is getting this rest. That makes complete sense. Okay, so I also wanted to get your deepest wisdom on all this as well. What you can say to women, and I'm sure there's men listening to this podcast too now. Um, What's your deepest wisdom? Because you turn on the TV, you turn on the news, it's kind of back-to-back information rather than wisdom. And information is very different to wisdom. So what is your wisdom in all of this, Tiggy? What can you share just to kind of give us a, um, a moment of zen like Johnny? Well, you've got to avoid the fear. There's no point. Fear is such a negative energy and there's no point in embracing it. So I think the ways to avoid that are to keep yourself very grounded. Don't watch too much news. Maybe just have one news bulletin a day, you know, because you need to stay a bit in touch. But don't dwell on the news. It's not. It's only going to be bad news. So it's going to put you into a very dark frame of mind. I think to ground yourself, two really important things is to do a meditation each day and eating well. I I think you've really got to honour your body and your mind and your soul at this time and look after yourself. This is all about staying grounded and knowing that good will come out of this. Yes, there's going to be sadness, but life, that's life. There's sadness every day in life. Um, But I think that at the end of it, I think we should have hope that we'll be kinder, more compassionate, greener, more environmental. I think I don't believe we can go through this extraordinary time and not take some learning from it. And I suppose I want to ask you kind of a really big question as well, a really deep question, because when I spoke to you last time on the podcast, I think it was literally only a matter of days, maybe even a week since you lost your dad. Um, do you find yourself tuning into spiritual wisdom as well and people that have left you that you loved and spending time thinking of higher energy? To be honest with you, I am praying every night and I wasn't doing that before. I'm doing a prayer of gratitude each evening and I'm praying for anyone who, you know, who I, I know has you know, is is in a difficult, vulnerable situation. Um, so I'm doing that. But in terms of my father, I'm just very glad he's not going through this because he would have found this incredibly stressful. Yeah. He would have worried for all his, his six children and their families, and it would have really wound him up. Um, but in terms of, no, in terms of a higher power, to return to your question, I think just, just prayer is a good thing. Wow, and that's... that's- a fantastic answer, Tiggy, because prayer, a lot of people straight away go straight to the religious side of prayer, but you can pray in a non-religious way. Just like you say, saying thank you is a prayer. 
Well, apparently, you know, a lot of people are saying that, that having a, a gratitude, I mean, I do a gratitude thing every night anyway, but I've turned it more from thank you universe for this to I, I, it's become more of a prayer of thanks now. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, it's a great thing to do for any of us at any time is to think of the five things that have happened that day that you're particularly grateful for. And it could be anything, just like hearing the bird song or, you know, uh, the, your husband loving the, the, the lovely supper you made last, you know, that day or, or something like that. But there's always five things. And it's quite fun, really, going, well, what were the five best things of today? Because they're out there. Tiggy talking about the importance of gratitude. Our next wise woman is Justine Clement. On her podcast, Justine and I spoke about her experience of slowing down after a serious knee injury. Learning how to be and not do is something she's still working on at the moment. But first, I asked her what she's thinking about what's happening right now. I do believe that it's in our destruction of this biodiversity that's created the conditions for viruses such as this to exist. But I think... Uh, that aside, there's a there's a much deeper level of learning. So, really, I mean, I do believe that there we think that we're in control of our lives and control of what happens on the planet. But this is a time for learning that that we're not, and that there is there is something else uh, bigger than us. And I think I do feel on a sort of simplistic level that we've overstepped the mark in various places. And this is here to, if we choose to listen and if we choose to be present to what's happening is it's here as a, as a great teacher. I'm hearing this a lot, actually, that the wise women I've spoken to so far are really saying, you know, there is something bigger at work here. There's something else going on that perhaps our our human minds can't quite fathom. For sure. There's a couple of quotes that I love and I think are really relevant to this, to this, uh, to this conversation, to what's happening at the moment. So Charles Darwin said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It's the one that's most adaptable to change. So what's happening here is if we don't stop, we don't stay present to what's happening and we don't appreciate that there is something bigger afield and if we if we don't uh, adapt to what's uh, what's happening then I think things will continue to happen and, and maybe get worse maybe not right now but I think things will come back uh, and I think Charles Darwin also said in I think it was his book Tale of Two Cities it was the best of times and it was the worst of times and actually I had a a conversation with a friend yesterday she was so cheery and so upbeat it was her birthday and she said you know what actually I'm quite enjoying it and and there's a part of you that well it's part of me that clicks in and thinks you know should we feel guilty for having moments of joy within all of this depending on where we're at and you think there's nurses and hospitals down the road who are having an absolutely terrible time trying to manage things. And then there's us in our homes having a bit more time. And should we feel guilty for actually enjoying ourselves? And that quote, I think, really, I keep coming back to it. Yeah, I'm so pleased you mentioned that as well, Justine, because uh, my take on it is that it's not good for anybody to suffer with the suffering 
that's not what we do. But we have, like you say, we have got a lot more time on our hands. Those of us that are fortunate enough to have a lot more time on our hands. And my response to that is, okay, what do we do with that time? Do we sit there and watch Netflix and drink and eat um, when we manage to go out to the shops? Or do we do something productive, even if that's just sitting in prayer for people? And people might think you know, that's a bit woo-woo and, you know, maybe that's not doing anything at all. But remember, we're living in a new world at the moment and it's been mm. scientifically proven that thoughts are things and they land they land in places. Well, we got, we've got um, a sort of, I like to say it's a mainstream, so not woo-woo, I'll, I'll term it mainstream for now. We had an example of that last night. I don't know if you stuck your head out of your window yeah. or your door and clapped that is an example of that. And actually, I, I'm not religious, but um, how many religious people are there across the world who believe in the power of prayer? That all links into exactly what you're talking about. It's just different ways of talking about it, I guess, and, and of displaying it. There's plenty of people who will have stepped outside their doors last night, clapped their hands, who might have said what, what you you know what you just mentioned was a bit out there. But actually... Let's hope it's a new world. Let's hope we are living in a new space where we're not embarrassed to say the things that you've just said, that to sit in quiet contemplation and send some positive energy and vibes to the nurses or to someone that's that's going through you know a traumatic version of, of the coronavirus. I, yeah, I do hope that, that we are we are moving into a new space where we can talk about these things and do them more openly and more freely. But the one thing at the moment that's most at the front of my mind is what do we, uh, we that aren't the key workers that are out um, running around like headless chickens trying to keep things on track, what do we do with our spare time when we have it? And this is really interesting, Justine, isn't it? Because the podcast I did with you was all about how you had to stop and pause and spend a lot of time in reflection after a a knee injury, a serious knee injury, and how you really had to uh, stop being a doer and start being a beer. And this is what's now happening on a collective scale. And for a lot of people that don't have that practice, it's incredibly difficult just just to be. It is. And I would just like to caveat that from all that work that I did, it is still incredibly difficult, even for me. I've learned a little bit more. There's some slight excuse about my character from being given a book about my star sign the other day, which was, (laughs) you you are a consummate peer, uh, uh, sorry, doer. But I just want to say that for anyone else that's struggling with that, it's like everything in life. You think you've got something sorted that you want to and then you don't, it goes again. So I I have to say, though, in all my time of doing work on myself, I have a daily meditation practice and I do it without fail. And uh, I also, without fail, try and spend some time in nature. And I appreciate that that's not easy for everyone at the moment. I know if you're living in central London and hanging out in the parks they're telling you to go home and I really feel for that so to come to come back to another important part which I also mentioned in that podcast was about gratitude uh, that I am able to go outside Um, but 
there's one thing that even if you can sit out of your window and see a tree, I know that that sounds maybe sounds completely mad, but actually just connecting yourself to some part of nature, to a plant, to a tree. Uh, I think, again, this if we are uh, waking up to a, a new world and a new way of being is to understand that that life is there to to teach us and nature is as well. Justine talking about connecting with nature. Now we're going to catch up with the singer-songwriter Anna Krantz next. Anna has collaborated with people like Ed Sheeran and Cliff Richard. What does she think about what's going on? My initial response is I just feel like we're going through a very necessary deep cleanse. And at the end of it, the world will emerge very, very different. And I feel and hope that it's going to emerge much kinder and on a much higher frequency have you been personally affected by it at all in terms of anybody that you know or the community where you're living? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't personally touched wood had any experience yet, but, you know, there is an incubation period and who knows? I, I don't know who I've been in contact with that's had it. So, yeah, I'm not sure. The only, for me, it's felt personal just sort of being concerned for my, my parents, really. But they're taking really good care of themselves and locking themselves away in London. Okay, so... What's your deepest wisdom in all of this? What can you share to other women to help them understand what's going on at the moment? Um, you know, so a, a teacher that I follow, a man called Derek O'Neill, said something the other day that resonated the most with me from everything I've read and heard. Basically, he's saying, you know, Mother Nature has been trying to get our attention for a long time that we've been taking from her and burning her forests and putting holes in the ozone layer, and it hasn't seemed to really get our attention. So eventually, Mother Nature said, well, then here's a virus, you know, and you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to pull together and deal with it. Anna, the podcast that we did was on the subject of creativity and how to access creativity. Uh, are you using this time, this quarantine, this self-isolation to, to channel that part of yourself? Yeah, I am. And actually, it hasn't turned into music yet, um, I think, because I'm in the middle of promoting a single. So my focus is on that. But where I found I got creative already, which has been really playful and really fun and very childlike, is I'm living in a relatively small place with my boyfriend and it's just the two of us. And so we're turning each room into a different in, in our imaginations, into a different uh, venue that we would normally go to. So this morning, the gym became, the living room became the gym. And in order to make it feel different from the living room, we just moved the furniture around a bit. And suddenly it was a different environment. And we pumped some really loud music and it felt like the gym. We then made brunch and I, I took his order as though we were in a restaurant just to make it feel like we were out. And that's been really fun, just kind of being a bit playful. And, and so the house doesn't feel as house-like and confined what a great idea what a great idea and the last thing I want to mention with you Anna um, and I hope people can go to YouTube and check this out you've written a song actually which I think is so poignant at the moment Uh, I think it's called Connected isn't it can you tell us a bit more about that and how people can find it and listen to it yeah Connected is the title track of of my last full album Um, and the song I wrote the song on a writing retreat with a guy called Travis Meadows who's wonderful writer and artist lives in Nashville and Gary Clark who's a Scottish writer and 
um, I was I had done like a deep meditation that morning. It was the last day of this writing retreat, and I just thought, let's give this last song everything we've got. And in this meditation, I just kind of asked for inspiration for a song that will kind of unite everybody and remind us that we're all made of the same stuff. And the title Connected popped into my head, and the song was written that day. And yet it does feel very relevant now, because I, I don't think I've ever felt so connected to everybody. It feels hugely relevant, because uh, I think for the first time, it's not just a community that's feeling the same thing, or even a country that's feeling the same thing, it's the whole world. Yeah, which is nuts. That just doesn't happen. And it kind of should happen, you know, which is what makes this so wonderful. Well, I mean, I, I, as I said, wonderful and terrified people are going to hear that and go, how can you, how dare you use that word? But there is a side to this emerging that is very wonderful. Absolutely. I completely understand that. And, and I think uh, people listening will understand that too. Thank you so much for your take on this. And uh, once again, I'm going to really encourage people to go and listen to that song. Where can they find it? Uh, Connected is on iTunes and Spotify and all sort of streaming platforms. Brilliant. Thank you, Anna. This is such a great idea what you're doing. I love it. Anna Krantz. If you get a chance to listen to Anna's song Connected, then please do. Staying with music now, let's speak to L. Arthur, a yogi and kirtan singer, originally from Australia, but now working away from her homeland. How is she feeling about all this? Well, I'm in Bali and we don't really have national news. We don't have a TV that we're able to like plug into what's going on. So we're getting our news from so many different websites and platforms and there's so much wrong information being put out, especially here on the island. So I feel very sheltered. I feel a little bit naive to what's going on in the, for the rest of the world, but it's incredibly scary. But at the same time, it's, it's definitely asking us to dig deep and find love and respect and patience for, for everyone and to, yeah, to really lean into our practices, our, our family, and to have the, the least amount of impact as possible. The podcast that we did was all about chanting, wasn't it? And I wanted to ask you for your yeah. deepest wisdom on, on this whole issue. Is that going to tie in with mm. the chanting or is it something else? No, absolutely. It's still, it's still chanting. Uh, that's, my, that's my biggest anchor. It's such a cliche. I hear myself saying it. But, I, yeah, I don't know. No, I, there's real power there. I don't think it's a, a cliche at all, but you're one of the people I have to thank for it. Thank you. But I'm really <laughs> struggling, you know, and, like, that just makes my – it really helps. Thank you. Yeah, for me, chanting just gives – it gives me an outlet. And with, without it, I get very contracted and um, I get very – I isolate myself, I get very internal, I get very lonely, I get very angry, actually. So, yeah, what's keeping me kind of balanced at the moment is definitely daily daily mantra, my, my practice, and absolutely. It's so refreshing to hear you say that, Al, because I've heard quite a lot of people jumping straight to the positive. But actually, even amongst people that are really deep, big thinkers, there's still a lot of fear. Uh, yeah, I think that our society actually runs off fear. 
And then we can just choose whether to encourage the fear or not. And hopefully the the decision is to not encourage fear. But it's undeniable that there's there's fear globally at the moment. You know, I live on an island that has majority grandparents and, and the older generation here. And this is this is a an island of very old people. Mm-hmm. And it's that's scary. And they're incredibly vulnerable. And people live day to day, they have no money here. So there is it's it's very confronting. So, you know, it's great to be positive, but it's also naive to, to not to not be a little bit worried about what's going on in the world. That was L. Arthur from Bali. Now let's talk to Helena Enright. Helena's Wise Woman episode was all about grief and letting go after death. We do talk about the process of letting go in this conversation as well. But first, she talks about how she's feeling. It's very strange. It's very disorientating at the moment. Kind of filled with a sense of disbelief, really, at the kind of acceleration of of everything, of how it's happened. So, yeah, just trying to kind of muddle through things at the moment and trying to adjust to what's happening. I think it's interesting how how people have had to make changes really, really quickly. Um, that's something that's been quite interesting in terms of people adapting to just new ways of living at the moment. Okay. And what about your deepest wisdom? You know, if you're really kind of going to your higher self as to, you know, what this is teaching you or how people can perhaps find some comfort at the moment, what would you say? I've been thinking about this a little bit and reflecting on it. And I think it's about letting go, actually. Letting go of um, the old and embracing the new is one thing. And it reminded me of a book I read a number of years ago by Anthony DeMello called Awareness. And it's all about detachment and living with a sense of detachment. And I think we become very attached to things to stories about ourselves, to ideas, to uh, achievements, to material possessions, everything, to relationships. And actually, when we practice detachment, it helps us to kind of understand that things, most things are ephemeral, that um, and, and they're just kind of passing through And isn't it interesting as well, and we didn't plan this Mm. at all, that the podcast we did together was about grief, the loss of your uh, cousin at a very, very young age. And I know in that podcast, you talked about finding a lot of comfort in nature. Mm. Is that happening for you again? Well, funnily, um, at the moment I work um, and have been for the last few years as a university lecturer. And I'm fortunate that the campus that I work on is an absolutely beautiful campus. It's, you know, it's a little oasis in terms of nature. And often when I'm walking from the car park to my office, I walk through some trees, a little kind of path. And actually coming back last week, and I just felt the need to put my hands on one of the trees and just hold it for a moment and kind of take some strength from that. And I remember when Mark died, coming back to England and I was living in Exeter at the time, and I used to go for a walk down by the quayside, and I, wa- I would walk through an area kind of which had some uh, quite a lot of trees by it, and I always felt kind of that I it was a time I was kind of hidden from people when I walked by those trees, and I could cry, 
and I felt a sense of strength from from that. Sometimes with nature, you can just be there with it and those trees and I'm watching nature doing its thing. Yeah, and nature, I think, is a huge comforter. And I heard a lady say the other day, a woman I really respect actually, say Mm. that, you know, when you're feeling really stressed, try and find something bigger than you, like a mountain, like the ocean, like the trees. And just tell yourself, you know, Mother Earth has been here before. She's seen things like this before. She's coped with things like this before for millennia Um, and just and just trust in her. And I think that's really where you're coming from as well, isn't it? Yeah. And I think also one of the things that really struck me when last week, you know, when this was all, I mean, I know it's been going on for a few weeks before that, but like when it really kind of started to hit home in the last week or so was, you know, this idea that the planet needs a break and we've been trying to kind of live our lives in a way which is very, you know, damaging to the planet, uh, to our natural resources. And we're very, you know, motivated by by money and money can't fix nature <laughs> or can't buy us nature. Nature exists before all of that. So I think, I hope that people will start to kind of sit with that a little bit and kind of come to that realization over the next number of weeks that yeah the the planet needs a break. Helena Enright talking about the importance of connecting with nature which you may have noticed is getting mentioned a lot so this is the perfect time to check in with Jojo Mater who's an activist and campaigner for Mother Earth and who co-founded a movement called Ecoside with the late Polly Higgins. I asked Jojo for her take on what's going on. My take on this, wow, um, it's difficult to identify, you know, a clear position or understanding because there's so much conflicting information out there. But what we are clearly seeing is a level of emergency globally, um, which is now being joined by the um, the West and North, if you like, um, whereas m- many areas of the global South have been experiencing some of the things we're experiencing now in other contexts for a number of years and decades even. You know, the not being able to travel, the fear of not having enough, the fear for you know the lives of one's loved ones and so on. Um, this is really a kind of situation of perhaps everyone in the world um, being able to grasp this sense of crisis in a way that, you know, some have already been experiencing for a long time. Mm, That's a really good point, Jojo, that our culture, both you and I live in the UK, hasn't really experienced this level of crisis before. But this isn't the time for feeling helpless, is it, or keeping quiet? Is there anything that you think we should be doing? So, yeah, it's uh, very important that, you know, we make known and as many of us as possible make known what we believe should and could help uh, with this situation and with how we treat life on Earth, both people and the planet, you know, because it's also an opportunity to look at what do we need to look after our planet. And of course, that's where the law of ecocide comes in. So it's a a moment of of craziness, of fear for a lot of people, um, and also a moment to really speak up for what will support life in all its forms. 
Well, talking about the law of ecocide, which was the theme of our podcast, ecocide, just to remind people that haven't heard that podcast for a while, was a campaign that you co-founded with the late Polly Higgins, who the Guardian newspaper called one of the most inspiring figures in the Green Movement. Polly sadly died on Easter Sunday, 2019. What do you think Jojo Polly would have made of all of this? I don't pretend to know what Polly would have thought or said exactly about this crisis, but I do know what her attitude was. Um, it was always positive. It was always speaking from a better future, from you know a future where life was in harmony um, with itself, with humanity. And so, in a sense, every challenge was you know viewed as. Yeah, just that, a challenge. How do we approach this? How do we turn this into a bridge to, you know, a livable future? So I know that that's the feeling and that's the inspiration she would have brought to this. Jojo Mater from the Stop Ecocide movement. If you're looking for a way to help heal the planet, Googling Stop Ecocide is a great starting point. Next, let's speak to Zara Kolosinska an artist from Bristol whose life headed inwards after the stillbirth of her baby daughter, Ginger. Zara knows all about personal loss and grief, which she does talk to me about. But first, she spoke about how she's feeling right now. Well, firstly, I've had to remind myself several times through these last couple of weeks that actually I I know nothing and I'm never going to know nothing. I think that I've been able to observe that my mind wants to attach stories and my mind comes from my upbringing so for me to start making attachments around this would probably be maybe a little bit naive but one thing I will say is that so I also don't want to um, play down my own intuition so I think that we all have to trust our intuition definitely but we also have to be aware that our minds can take over well, it's so interesting, Zara, that you are open there by saying, you know, you don't know anything. You know, that's such a humbling position to start from. But I also love the yeah. fact that you said that you don't want to downplay your intuition either. So what's your intuition telling you? Well, um, my intuition says we have a wonderful opportunity here. And my intuition tells me not to be fearful. But as well it's quite hard to tell the difference sometimes between intuition and mind because we can quite often cut off our minds completely where they do it does serve us so my mind and the bit that I trust in my mind also tells me there is more to this than meets the eye so it's about getting the balance there of the two. Now Zara when we spoke on our podcast we talked about the stillbirth of your daughter ginger so mm -hmm. you've probably faced one of if not the most traumatic experience that any woman can go through have you been able yeah. to cross-reference any of your experience with ginger and the stillbirth with what you're going through now uh yes I always remember uh, the first couple of weeks after I lost Ginger, uh, we, we were out shopping, me and my husband, and I remember my husband always saying, I'm looking at all these people smiling and, and we're not, and I just want to be able to get back to that place. 
and I'm not sure if we ever will. And the thing that I instantly picked up on is that I was feeling this grief, which I guess is a collective grief. And I had that same feeling like I can't, I don't feel like I can smile. I feel terrible. The only difference was I was looking, we're looking outside and everyone seems to be looking the same. And was there a light at the end of the tunnel of your grief? So did you, did you come out the other side, albeit different and changed, but um, was there light at the end of the tunnel? Um, Yes, there is, but it's a painful journey because it means that you have to uh, go within and you have to go through the process of what um, the emotions to flow through for them to, to allow you to see the deeper wisdom within. But by facing those emotions and surrendering and allowing the process, then comes um, uh, something beyond that, which can lead us into uh, um, light at the end of the tunnel. Wow. And is that really your deepest wisdom? Because I wanted to ask you for that, really. You know, what what words can you offer to bring people listening to this, you know, comfort and strength at the moment? Or is that that might be it, Zara? I don't know. Um, Well, I think there's probably a few things. I mean, first of all, we need to allow to let go. We're seeing so many of us needing to try to control something that we cannot control. I couldn't and my husband couldn't. My family couldn't control the death of our daughter. It was taken instantly out of our hands. I needed, we all needed to let go to be able to let something new evolve from that. So we do need to let go, Um, not, uh, not to overthink. If we're overthinking, then our mind is taking us off somewhere. So try not to overthink. And I think probably the deepest thing for for me as well, and it's very much been re-triggered now again, is actually is the fear. So that fear can take us places, and it we can become in in a cycle in our in our minds. Doesn't mean we have to make an attachment to it or say it's true or it's you know whatever, but just to allow the fear to show you what it is it needs to show you. Observe it. Um, and let it flow through. That was Zara Kolosinska. Our next wise woman is Nikki Slade. Nikki spoke to me on her episode about how chanting had brought about a profound spiritual awakening for her. So I was really interested to find out what she thinks is happening on the planet right now. I feel, as many people do, that spiritually we're all being invited to really have a very good, long look at ourselves and to get recalibrated and to really contemplate what's really important because at the end of the day what's really important is our connection to love not love in a flaky sense you know as you remember when you interviewed me before one of the things when i had that first kind of awakening in my late 20s was being connected with my inner voice my inner wisdom voice that said to me in my darkest hour dearest nikki all there is is love all there ever will be is love and so it is so easy you know, and I know this myself, when one gets into an excess of doing, 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 busy, 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 uh, there is a movement away 
from staying connected to that vibration of love inside. Well, I was interested in what you said as well about, uh, you know, when you're going through your episode of psychosis which we talked about on the podcast you would hear this inner dialogue you know dearest nikki love is all that matters uh, the dialogue i seem to be having at the moment my highest dialogue i have to outline is you know joe you've been practicing this for 10 years you've got tools what what's your highest inner dialogue saying to you at the moment nikki mm. my highest inner dialogue is is asking me to meditate is asking me to slow down, to take time to commune with the guidance from within. And what I'm being shown is that there's a new emerging coming. I mean, it's been quite uh, startling that everything I thought my year was about has literally been stripped, you know, I was going to be chanting at Glastonbury Festival. I was going to Brussels to do a wonderful weekend of workshops there. Um, and I'm feeling remarkably unattached in ways where I thought I'd be very attached before. And I'm like going, ah, oh, well, there goes another cancellation. There goes another falling away. You know, time to just drink from the wellspring within and and listen you know i'm being i'm being asked to listen in short is the answer to your question mm. there's a there's definitely an element of surrender for everybody here isn't there um nikki final question our podcast was all about the power of chanting really the healing power of chanting which is the name of your book as well is there a chance that you can recommend we dwell on at the moment yeah <laughs> Always unanimously, Om Namah Shivaya, I merge with my own true self because that mantra is so universally unifying. And this is the most exciting possibility in this, you know, period we're in that we can join in one love, one heart, one vibration, one primordial pulsation and actually experience that we were never separated and uh, Om Namah Shivaya you know is just the place to come home to over and over again. Nikki Slay talking about the power of the chant Om Namah Shivaya. Now it doesn't seem right to move on without hearing that chant so here is Nikki singing that very mantra taken from her Wise Women podcast called the shamanic episode. So this is a mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, which means I merge with my own true nature. I merge with my own inner self as we relate to that idea. And I'll just sing just a few phrases for you. Om Namah Oh, my God. 
Okay, so now we're getting deeper into higher spiritual thoughts and practices. I want to introduce our penultimate wise woman, Sally Kempton. Sally is an international author and teacher of meditation and a former Swami or monk. I asked her how we can stay centered in the face of such challenge. And I also asked her what she thinks is happening. Wow. Well, what this, what this virus has done is literally thrown all the cards up in the air so that we face the possibility of an entirely new universe and one in which we don't really know how all of this factionalism is going to play out. So I do feel that this is a giant crisis. And I also feel that it's a transformative opportunity. You know, as they say, crisis is an evolutionary driver. We could, we could make some really huge strides. There's a lot of good that can happen. And there's also, you know, a strong possibility that it won't happen. So I'm very attentive. I'm very concerned. I'm uh, trying to read only the most reliable information. And I honestly do believe that this is the beginning of a radically transformative period in human life. And, you know, in the middle of such a period, we have no idea how it's going to go. Sally, I love talking to you because you're so practical and down to earth. But at the same time, I'm aware of this uh, enormously rich spiritual life that you've led as well. So can you talk us through what you think might be happening from a spiritual perspective? Uh, Well, I'm going to talk about what I hope is happening. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, several things. First of all, we have a very large population of people who have had a modern and postmodern education and have done a lot of inner practice, whether it's, you know, traditional religious practice, which certainly is very helpful in a time like this, but also of yogic practice, of practice in inquiring into our own responsibility in situations like this, practice in meditation, of course, practice in uh, in turning inside to the heart and speaking and acting from an interior focus. And I, I believe that, that those of us who've been doing these practices for a while are in a profound position to, let's say, help strengthen the global immune system, which as we know is not simply, you know, our immune system is not just physical. Our immune system is completely affected by our emotions and by the subtle field, the subtle, let's call it the aura or the subtle body as it's called in some traditions. And our practice, our ability to be present to the heart, to the deeper self, our our facility with meditation and with mantra practice and with, you know, the kind of attitudes that allow us to to really open our hearts to the situation in the world without panic. These are all qualities that strengthen. I certainly experience some strengthening my immune system. And I believe that that if we have the, the intention and if we're willing to go inside and find the place of equanimity and calm that we can set intentions from, that every one of us who has this relationship to the source through meditation, through spirituality, can actually make a difference. Well, I love the idea of strengthening our 
entire our collective immune system i think that's such a lovely idea so you talked about equanimity and serenity and calm uh, i know that even people that have spiritual practice sally uh, are finding that hard you're an expert in this area uh, how do we do it well i i would say first of all that you know we should forgive ourselves for not being perfect saints and for the you know the the challenge that we experience when we realize that our spiritual practice is not necessarily up to uh, the level of challenge that's going on. So, you know, just let's start by saying, okay, I'm human and, and just keep coming back. You know, okay, I'm, I'm suddenly irritated with everybody. I'm terrified. I coughed and I'm afraid I'm really sick and I don't know what to do. And it freaks me out that to, to actually be able to begin recognizing those moments when we're losing it and first forgiving ourselves for it. And then secondly, going inside and learning how to get a felt sense of what dis-ease, and I'm talking about emotional disease, feels like. And that what I do, I do several things. I, I will often work with a mantra, just, just breathing it into the, the feeling of dis-ease. Um, and this is a practice that, ta- that takes some practice, but I find it extremely helpful. And this, this is a good time to practice, where you literally remove your consciousness from, so, so to speak, inside your body to a region a little bit behind and above your body, and let yourself observe yourself in that position. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a shortcut into witness consciousness. And, you know, as you do it, of course, it's very important to keep a part of your awareness grounding and part of your awareness inside your body. But you can actually cultivate a witnessing presence with this, you know, kind of simple practice of just putting your awareness back here and holding it and noticing from that place what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind, so that, so that once you start to realize, okay, I'm off right now and my feelings are off, my words may not be coming from my most centered place, once you can feel it, you can take a deep breath and just do a reset. You know, bring your awareness to the heart. Imagine that waves of kindness are flowing from you. Yeah, I love the idea of doing it from the heart. And I also like Sally, because I learned this today. I love the idea of doing it from the crown too, because Corona in Italian, of course, means crown. So let's yeah, tune into our crown chakras. Fantastic. Yes, <laughs> let's, let's tune into our crown chakras. Thank you so much for the chat. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, blessings for all the great work you're doing now and in all the other ways. That you, that you are doing it on your podcast and, and in your life, Joe. Thank you so much. That was Sally Kempton. Finally, I wanted to end with a word and a mantra from the spiritual author and teacher and leader, Miranda McPherson, based in California. Now, Miranda has been hosting online retreats at this time. So I suggested to her, because she's very much in demand, that we use some words from her original podcast with me because they are just so relevant And these words will then lead us into a mantra that I sit with regularly. And if you're feeling fearful or lost, I would encourage you to sit with and dwell on this mantra as well, as it invites you to go beyond your own, sometimes limited thoughts. But before we hear from Miranda, 
I just wanted to say a big thank you to all the women who took part on this special podcast, who immediately jumped in and wanted to help me put this together. Please do take time to listen or re-listen to all of their individual stories again, as there are lots of comparisons that can be drawn between their individual challenges and the collective ones we now face. And please also share this platform with as many women as you can, so that all this wisdom is available to others. The next Wise Women podcast after this one is a conversation with Grammy-nominated mantra musician Deva Pramel. Deva talks to me about the Gayatra mantra and the connection she had with it between herself and her father. That interview has also since been updated since the recording took place to include her thoughts on current world events too. So please be sure to listen to that as well. Finally, thank you for listening. And thanks also to the seven directions we called into this virtual red tent at the beginning. North, south, east, west, above, below and within. Thank you to our ancestors, our spirit guides and power animals. Please go with love and blessings. Aho. I'll leave the final words and music now with Miranda. Frankly, whenever I have really been in those moments of, you know, WTF, you know. <laughs> Hashtag. I mean, yeah. And I think everybody knows exactly what that means. Yeah. You know, when I've really been in those moments I just turn into compassion. I start, you know, singing and chanting, may all beings, may all beings dwell in the heart. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be healed. May all beings know their wholeness. May all beings be happy and at peace. Suffer